You are listening to the Straight Shooters exclusively on Wildfire Radio. Subscribe to the Straight Shooters podcast on iTunes by visiting the iTunes store and download every episode on wildfireradio.com. Now, here's Vaughn Johnson and Nick Picone bringing you the latest and greatest in the world of professional wrestling. Is Warren Johnson. Well, super nerdy pet peeve uh, of mine, Nick Picky. I don't think he should have been hopping over the top rope like a uh, parkour champion. You got me mad now. What is your name? Yeah, as always, with my man, man, pots and pants, Nick McCone. That's me. I don't really know us like you think that you do. I'm Ryan Isley. What is he doing? Oh my God! Is he the third man? He's the third man! What the hell is going on here? Straight Shooters is, the, I believe, the number one show on Wildfire Radio. I'm feeling good. No sleep, no food, no nothing. Just maniacism. Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. What actually happened on the show? Nothing. Give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What is up, everyone out there in Internet land? My name is Vaughn Johnson, and this is episode 177? Of the straight shooters, is that right? Yep. Man, yep. I guess that off the top of the dome because I just we have yeah. so many episodes. I just be forgetting sometimes because we got so many. But it's apparently I've been told just now by my main man, Pasta Pants, Nipicone, Philly Voice, and Philly Influencer, that we're this is episode one seventy seven of the straight shooters. And before I tell you where you can find uh, our vast network of episodes and all these different platforms, let me introduce my main man, Pasta Pants, Nipicone, of Philly Voice and Philly Influencer. Nick, how are you doing tonight, my good brother? I'm doing great, Vaughn, and uh, you know we're still kind of in the middle of the holiday season because we've got New Year's coming up, but man, it's been a crazy last two days. I'm glad to get back at it uh, doing this episode of the Straight Shooters. Uh, excited to discuss wrestling for an hour like we always do every day, and uh, I'm in a good mood. Yeah, we're, we're no, both in a good mood. No weather issues for me this week. Oh, see, look at that, because it's unseasonably warm outside here in the Philadelphia area, which is weird, but... We're both in a good mood because we got a guest on today's show. Usually we have a third man, Brian Isley, on, but he's not on tonight. He's had to be on for a while, actually. But <laughs> Brian Isley back on the show again. But we're joined by, I guess, the fifth or sixth man, I guess we can call him. I don't know. We got a bunch of guys okay. that come on the show here and there. But Ryan Anderson, a.k.a. at Gully Blanchett on Twitter. Ryan, welcome to the shooters, our good brother. Welcome, man. I'm glad to glad to be in here, man. It's been a long time coming. You guys know I've been a big fan of what you guys do for a while. So it's good to uh good to bring you guys good to bring us all three together in the same room, sit down and talk about wrestling. Yeah, yeah. People, we, we've both been on your show in the past. So pe- tell people mm-hmm. real quick where they can find your your podcast. No problem. So you can find it pretty much anywhere you get podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. We're pretty much everywhere. Uh, just by searching Gully Blanchard, uh, you can rate, subscribe, review, check it all out. Usually I put up an episode uh, once a week, maybe uh, two times a week, depending on how things go. Uh, it is pretty much a wrestling and sports-centric podcast. I try to have some fun, uh, talk to people I find interesting that I interact with on social media. You guys have both been on there before and been you know, it's been a lot of fun talking to you guys and kind of building that relationship up across the country. 
Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Gully Blanchard, which is uh, G-U-L-L-Y-B-L-A-N-C-H-A-R-D. I'm in there periodically live tweeting the old Monday Night Raws that I've been watching. Uh, from episode one, I'm on to episode like 670, so I'm like early 2006. Wow. Um, so that's uh, something I pretty much do. I'll live tweet those and try to give you guys some fun feedback from it. And uh, yeah, that's where uh, that's where the podcast is. All right. Uh, where you can find our podcast, since Gully plugged his, we have to plug our own, as we do every single week. We're, of course, recording this live on YouTube. So you can search us, the Straight Shooters Podcast, on YouTube. You can find us there and watch us live. If you're watching us live on YouTube, make sure you interact with us on, the, I believe, the left side of your screen. We can interact with us. Hit us up in the chat there on the left side of your screen. But if you're listening to us on the download, hit us up. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, SoundCloud. We are SoundCloud rappers now. And the mothership, <laughs> WildfireRadio.com. We can find all 176 prior episodes of The Shooters. Go back in time and listen to some of those older episodes from the studios of Wildfire Radio. They're like time capsules. Time, you know. They really are. Representative of the time there was in pro wrestling. And, you know, got some good good stuff back there in the archives with the multitude of guests. Brian Isley, as I mentioned earlier, the good brother Sawyer, uh, Billy Matz. We got Jim Ross. We had Anthony Bennett. We had all sorts of people was on, have been on the show. Uh, Andrew Goldstein. So check him out. Yeah. WildfireRadio.com. On... Like I said, all our episodes in the past. I got got lost for a second there. But <laughs> Check we're, out every, we're literally everywhere. It's easy to get lost. It is. It really is. I, I just got lost for a second. Because, like you said, Nick, it's been a busy time. Because we're wound, yeah. winding down the year. You just, you know, we're in the middle of the holidays right now. Just at Christmas yesterday. And we got New Year's coming up. New Year's Day was this next Tuesday, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a busy time since it's the end of the year, the end of 2018, which is crazy to think about. It seemed like we just started this year, but now it's coming to the end. We figured, why not talk about the year that was in professional wrestling? Because a lot happened this year. It seems like the last couple years, it's been pretty eventful. Some, some I don't want to say seismic shifts, but some big things have been happening. It's, yeah, it's been a while since we had it's like a real, like a good old regular year where not many exciting things happen. No, this is another year where people are about to jump ship or, or, going, or have, have jumped from one promotion to another, or a promotion is sprouting up, or whatever. It's a lot been going on. So, Nick, I'll start off with you. Just talk about what, what are we going to talk about? It's not really like formal, I should say. Right. Not talk, you can talk about matches, you can talk about specific wrestlers, you can talk about moments, uh, events that kind of stuck out for you in 2018. Some of the big storylines that you know played out over the course of these last about wow, 12 months. Yeah, man. I have a rather lengthy list. Uh, I'll try to cut it down to the few of the main ones. So, uh, I mean, I'll start it off with the year that uh, was had by one Roman Reigns to go from where we were in January to where we are now. And, you know, obviously now Roman Reigns uh, made the announcement in October that he had been diagnosed again with leukemia. So he's been out, you know, fighting that uh, horrendous, you know, disease. Uh, since then, but uh, just I thought it was going to be the coronation of Roman Reigns as the guy in WWE. We've said that before. We, we there's been moments the last few years that we thought that was going to happen. You know, 2016, he beats Triple H at WrestleMania in the main event, and we think, okay, he he's the guy. And then a few months later, he gets suspended. You know, uh, 
and then Seth Rollins comes in and beats him, but Ambrose catches in and beats him, so they have that going a little bit. So I, I really thought this was going to be the year of Roman Reigns, and in, in some ways, I think it was. Um, I think it was a huge part of the year for WWE. Uh, I was still su- surprised that he didn't win the Universal title at WrestleMania, but uh, and I was even more surprised he didn't win it at the Greatest Royal Rumble because I, I thought that was going to be a thing they made, like an event they made memorable because of where it was held. Uh, it was kind of like a. I thought the booking at SummerSlam with him and, and uh, Brock Lesnar was pretty good. I, I thought Braun Strowman's involvement was uh, good. Like I, I think Roman Reigns was interesting pretty much all year, whether it's from a storyline standpoint or a mat, uh, a match standpoint. Uh, promos not the greatest, but I don't think he ever was due to the ability of his man to micromanage. You know his top stars with their promos. Uh, I think there's only like John Cena that really seems to get uh, some leeway with them. So, I mean, I'm looking back at 2018. uh, I feel bad where Roman Reigns is right now, but, you know, he's fighting leukemia and I wish him all the best. It seems like with the way they're using that in storylines that uh, they have a a good feeling that he's going to beat this and come back. You know, maybe in 2019, maybe in 2020, it doesn't matter how long he's out as long as it's completely defeated and he kicks its ass again like he did before. But uh, I really think from January to December of 2018, Roman Reigns has to be one of the, uh, I don't want to say feel good story because he's still fighting leukemia, but the way they're going about it and the way you know they let him come out on TV to give that promo and on the top of the stage, this, the shield fist thing, like all that kind of like, you know, it touched me in a way that wrestling hasn't really touched me in, in a long time. Uh, and, you know, I just, I wish him all the best, but uh, that's the one thing I think about in 2018. Yeah, that was a, that was a crazy moment. I remember where I was when I was just, you told me, it's like, Hey, you yeah. watching Raw? I was like, no, why? I really didn't blame you at all. And I was on my way home from work, so I didn't, you know, I didn't really think about it. But and then I, I, I looked. I was like, I must, it must be something big going on, on you know, mm-hmm. on Raw. So I look on Twitter and see what's happening, and, and I saw that. I was like, just like, whoa, like, damn, like, and I know that's not a storyline. They're not like, you know, right. so you know it's real, obviously. You know, you don't fake leukemia, and it's like, damn, like he, you know, that was just, and the, and the thing leading up to it is that he, the reports were that he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, Roman Reigns is hurt. So he was out of, I think he was out of what would have been Survivor Series, I think it was, or it was the greatest, uh, or it would have been uh, the, the, the Saudi Arabia show. Oh, yeah. Uh, Crown, Crown Jewel. Jewel. Crown Jewel yeah. so, oh, he's out of Crown Jewel. He's hurt. This show was a cluster. It's like, oh, well, damn, that's, that sucks. You know, sucks to see Roman Reigns hurt again. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, wow, he has chemia. And it's not the first time. It's the second time he's had it. I didn't know he had it another Yeah, previous I didn't either. Uh, in his life. So, yeah, that was a... Uh, that was that was crazy. That was that was a, a uh, shocking, stunning t- uh, and, and kind of events. That thinking that I, I think this was going to be the moment that he, WWE was going to go full force with him as their face of the company. You know, they he won the title before in 2016. Uh, you know, and he got suspended, and he didn't really seem like the face the way he was the face as Universal Champion. I, I don't know. That's my opinion. Uh, there wasn't a brand extension back then when he was WWE world heavyweight champion. So he was like the guy. So I could see if people disagree with my statement 
that he feels more like he felt more like the face as Universal Champion than he did as WWE World Heavyweight Champion. But I thought this was going to be the run, and uh, you know, I was re- really upset that you know he he has to deal with this, and obviously, you know, the fight is uh, the greater concern now. Um, but you know, he's been seen publicly. He he was at tribute to the troops. Uh, report stated he was at the. Uh, Georgia Tech football game uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, he he looked pretty good, all things considered. So I'm hoping he uh, you know continues and comes back uh, as whenever he can. Gully, Ryan, <laughs> what's going on, man? <laughs> what, what, what you got over there as far as uh, something that stuck out to you in 2018? I would say this has been a year um, to piggyback on what Nick said. This has been a year where I think we realized the value of Roman Reigns in a couple different ways to where I agree with what Nick said to where I, I kept thinking the coronation was coming with Roman. I thought it was coming at 33. I thought 34 was going to be the perfect spot to do it. Um, I thought same thing like Nick said, I thought the greatest rumble, greatest Royal rumble would be a great situation to do it. But for some reason he kept being hamstrung by having Brock as champion. I don't think Brock has done much to elevate an opponent outside of what he did with Daniel Bryan and survivor series. Uh, since WrestleMania 31, I think that's been something that's really hamstring uh, Roman since he's been, you know, 2018 and years prior. But I think them losing Roman Reigns has sort of uncovered a bigger problem within Monday Night Raw to where none of the characters are really that interesting and nobody's really believable. I think as fans, and I, I want to exclude us three because I think we, we have a good grasp of what we're watching, but a lot of times you get on, you get on social media and you see fans that'll say like, you know, if they just turn Roman heel, like that's not going to be the thing that fixes everything. Like there's not a substantial group of people at home being like, well, I'm not going to watch Monday Night Raw because Roman Reigns is a baby face. Um, but I think them losing Roman exposed the fact that they really don't have anyone to, to anyone really prepared to be the next guy. Roman doesn't really have a feud in the sense to where Austin had Rock, you know, like Triple H had Sean or, you know, each one of these guys, they had a few to go with. And Roman didn't really have that guy to come in and take the take the mantle from him. They did a lot with Braun and him, but there was never really any, any message that made sense. So I think them losing Roman was tough. Um, I've always been a big fan of Roman. I know it's rare to find, you know, a man in his mid-30s that's a big fan of Roman Reigns. I don't think he had bad wrestling matches at all. Um, I think his promos were as formulaic as – just about everyone else is on Monday Night Raw, with the exception of a few people. So it wasn't like he was cutting these like wooden promos and everyone else was, you know, Attitude Era, The Rock, or Attitude Era, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think that's just the general feel of the company now to where everything is so, um, everything's so contrived, everything's so safe because there really is no other alternative option. But on top of Roman, I think something else that really stood out to me was the organic rise of Becky Lynch. And also, I think as wrestling fans, wrestling is at its best to me when it's a big buffet. Like you go, you know, you go somewhere, you get a big buffet. Well, if you don't like the chicken, you can just eat the steak. If you don't like the steak, you can have the pork. And I think now with wrestling more than ever, if you don't like Monday Night Raw, you don't have to watch it. You can watch NXT. If you don't like NXT, you can watch SmackDown. If you don't like SmackDown, you can watch Progress. Like we have all these different options as fans. So I think that's one of the bigger takeaways is that the buffet that is pro wrestling is getting more accessible. And to me, I have a hard time when I hear fans complain about watching Monday Night Raw, like it's the only wrestling product that's on. So I think now we're getting more, we're getting more plates at the buffet, especially with what Cody did and all in. So 
you know, Roman, Becky Lynch, and just wrestling as a whole getting more exciting. Again, the buffet is getting bigger. I think those are the three biggest takeaways of the year for me. Yeah, I want to jump on the, the Becky Lynch thing because it's, for one, the women's division, I think the women's division as a whole is pretty good. And, pretty, and they're getting the women's tag titles next year, which I'm a fan of. I wish they would give it one of those men's titles, though, to, you know, just why well, have three sets of tag titles running around? I have one for the men, I have one for the women. But I digress. I think the women's division is as good as it's been when you think about it in a long time where you talk about compelling storylines, compelling characters. I mean, you look at Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte, Nia Jax. I mean, those, then you got Asuka. Then you know I mean? like, they got some stars in the women's division. And you can make the case that the women's stuff right now in WWE is better than the men's stuff and, and, and mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. At least I'm more interested in it. And um, I think that's a good thing. It hasn't been that way for a while, at least for a long, long time. But specifically Becky Lynch, I mean, she was just white meat baby face that people liked. But clearly WWE had no plans on making her like a big star. She was putting big matches here and there, typically lost, even though she had been the champion before, smacked the women's champion. But, you know, you just you just knew that WWE didn't really have plans to make her like the, the – the centerpiece of a brand like they, they do with Charlotte, they do with Ronda Rousey, and maybe potentially do with Oscar even, maybe, potentially. But then that whole SummerSlam thing happened where she was, she was, wasn't she champion? I believe that, no, Charlotte was champion, but then she cheated, or I forget exactly how it went down, but pretty much fans didn't want Charlotte to, to beat Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch beat the crap out of Charlotte, and the fans loved it. <laughs> like, she had an edge all of a sudden, because for whatever reason in WWE, Baby faces rarely have an edge. They rarely get angry or seek revenge. You know, it just, it's just you don't, you're not interested in the baby faces. Their, their heels are always more compelling for whatever reason. They turn all their baby faces white me and they come out smiling and, hey guys, I'm here to have a good time. And people yeah. just ain't into that like, like they used to be back in the 80s, I, I guess you could say. <laughs> but Becky Lynch got an edge to her. Then people were like, you know what? We like that. This is essentially what I think Ronda Rousey should be. I'm not saying Ronda Rousey is bad at what she does, but when I when Ronda Rousey first Ronda Rousey first came into the WWE, I expected her to be this mean. She's tough, obviously, but just not smiling as much as she does. Let me just put it right, that way. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And instead, she's kind of this smiley, happy-go-lucky baby face who just so happens to beat the hell out of people. Becky Lynch has the the, the ability in the ring and the attitude to match, and that's a perfect combination. And yeah, it is organic, and it doesn't hurt that she's hella good on social media and that she has the bravado and she the man you know which is so yeah. such a simple nickname but it's just like a woman walking around calling herself the man it's like you know what that's so simple but highly effective mm-hmm. easy to remember obviously it's not some contrived stupid nickname like the architect or the big dog or yeah the almighty yeah the empress of the fringe Right, <laughs> the Empress of Tomorrow cracks me up because I, I remember you being like, "Man, like stop calling her that." Like, like what does that even mean? Like, and I think they've been calling her since NXT. Yeah, and they called Shinsuke the rock star, the artist formerly known as Shinsuke Nakamura. Too, those ones had to go. Right, it's just like it, it, it's 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 it felt she feels real, and yes. it, and, it, and it authenticity always works, and Becky Lynch is proof, and she's got the talent to back it up. I just hope that that WWE, which I'm, I'm sure they have recognized it to a certain extent, but they, I don't know if they recognize how far they can go with it. 
but I hope they do to recognize how far they can go with it into 2019. 2018 was a good year for her, but 2019 could be an even better year if they put her in those prime positions. And don't just make her the second on the card because she's a woman. No, if she's the top star, if she's the hottest thing going, make her the centerpiece of the entire brand, whatever brand she's on, of the entire company. Like if you, if that's what it takes, mm-hmm. do it. Don't limit her because oh she's a woman. We got to have a man in that spot. No, 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 no. Got something here. Go all the way with it. Go as far as you can with it. And WWE sometimes they don't. They have a tendency to not do that. It's just like you can go further. You can go. You know you <laughs> you go super far with things that people aren't really wanting. Right. You know, like Roman Reigns, for instance. People weren't really clamoring for Roman Reigns to be pushed to that extent, but they did it, and they did it, and they did it again, and they did it again, despite so many people telling them, hey, this is, you know, we, we like them, but we, we like other people, too. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. well, Becky, you got something. People are telling you, hey, this is, we like her. Like, this this is the one. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> her. Yeah, her. And sometimes WWE, because it's not what they, necessarily what they plan on doing, they're kind of hesitant and moving you know, pushing someone to that extent. So hopefully that's what happens in 2019 for Becky Lynch, the man, Becky and, Lynch. And let me just add one quick thing. I think they're doing with her, and I, I do believe she'll have a great 2019. And I I have a feeling, at least from what I'm seeing, they're kind of doing that thing where, okay, they take the title off her, but she's all, she hasn't become bigger than the title, but she's hotter than any of the women's champions. So it definitely put her in that in that pedestal, and you have like that that one thing in the division that everyone loves and is paying attention to. Then you have the two champions, kind of like you know side by side, or maybe just a little bit underneath her. And so you have three big women's storylines in all of WWE. And when's the last time they really had that? I I really don't remember that honestly. I'm not sure they ever had that. And they've done it with the men before years years ago. Oh, and they would take the title off John Cena because it's kind of like he didn't need the title anymore. Uh, I'm not trying to compare Becky to John in their respective eras, but you had Cena kind of being his own thing and everything he was doing was important. And then you had the two world champions kind of like their own thing. So I kind of feel like this is almost kind of building it or like it kind of looks that way to me that hopefully they go all the way with Becky Lynch. Having her beat Ronda for the title would be great. Uh, even if it's a triple threat with Charlotte, I don't know if that's the route they're going, but man, like the lead up to there would be like tremendous. So I, I just have a feeling like, you know, I think it's good right now that without the title, she's still kind of being put up there at the top. Well, I think one thing that Becky's done a really good job at, and I think it's been something that has been frustrating me with the, the one piece to Roman that just hasn't really clicked is that Becky's character it feels like there's a there's an authenticity or there's like a depth to it or there's layers to it to where you don't feel like you're watching someone say what you think they're supposed to say. I think like it's the same thing with athletes to where like as fans we we gravitate towards the Marshawn Lynches because they feel like they're real people instead of like the Alex Rodriguez press conferences where you feel like everything's just contrived or you feel like everything's there and there's no authenticity to it. And I think that was the one thing with Roman that we got it a couple times. Like we got it with the battle, the the promo he had with John Cena, and a couple of the promo exchanges he had with Brock. Toward those sort of felt like okay, like this isn't Roman Reigns, the WWE face of the company talking. This is like the guy saying what he really wants to say. And I think that's something where Becky's done a really good job. That's where everything you feel that's coming out of Becky's mouth is believable, and you feel like it's something to where that's something that she really feels. And she's done a really good job bringing in 
social media now, you know, to that to help advance those storylines to where, you know, I can't remember the last good men's promo that I heard other than stuff that Daniel Bryan did. And that, that did take me a little bit of a time to warm up on, but you know, everything on the raw side just kind of feels like these guys are going through the motions. And I think, you know, for Becky, all roads should lead to WrestleMania 35 with her and Ronda. And I think that's the match that the fans want to see. I hope WWE gives the fans, you know, what they want to see. They have a track record of essentially doing the opposite, um, unfortunately. But, you know, I think with with Becky, the stuff that she's doing is believable. It, there's depth to it to where you, she, it doesn't feel like it's someone just coming out playing wrestler. And I think that the, the biggest thing with Becky and with Charlotte and with Sasha and with this women's division is if they main evented WrestleMania 35, yes, it would be historic, but it wouldn't feel out of place. Where I think when they first started that women's revolution or they first started that, you know, a couple years ago when bringing up, you know, Sasha and Becky and Charlotte and all that, if, if they would have main evented, say, WrestleMania 35, two which is one i think was in dallas if i'm not mistaken yeah that's what that that would have that would have felt like it was yeah that would have felt like it was kind of pushed down our throats as fans and that may have been rejected and i think you know three years later with two believable characters that feel real and becky and ronda if they meant main event in wrestlemania 35 i don't think anyone would look at that and be like they're just sort of forcing us that uh, us that down our throats because they're women well, here's the thing: is WWE will push it down on those if they were to pull that trigger, because this is WWE. They will take no issue in patting themselves on the back. See, we will hear a lot that they will be the first yeah. women's match to main event WrestleMania. Um, it, and also, you got to partly thank Ronda Rousey and her star power for that even being a, a thing that we could talk about, you know, because she is a yes. huge star. She's a big name. But to your point, though, we just had the women main event TLC, and no one batted an eye. And that's good. Like, and that deserved to be the main event. That was the main event of that show, that triple threat match. So it's, it's not, I want to say, it, it is more commonplace because it's happened at least once this year. And I want to say, I don't know if it happened. Well, you had the Evolution pay per view, which, right. which was a big deal, but that could happen. I believe more often. the women main event in Helen, I believe Sasha and Charlotte main event in Helen the Cell a couple yeah, years, that was a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. But that was like, yeah. that was when, that was obviously the top feud at that point, but that was like, Oh, it felt different from this time because this time it wasn't like there was no like, yes. big like push like oh the women are in the main event oh my god like that was a huge that was like the big deal for that show whereas this time it was yeah. like yo this is the top match let's do it that's the main event right I think I think so we what? talked about that specific Sasha Charlotte match it was it wasn't the blood feud between them it, like the big angle was hey we have two women in the main event right in yeah. so I absolutely see what you're talking about Bon right whereas this time it was the focus was three talented women. Who are really good at what they do, and they want to fight each other for the title. To have at it; they're the main event, and I mm-hmm. think that's a good thing. And it also speaks to the talent of the women. And the, the, like I said, the star power they have in that women's division, where you could easily put a Becky Lynch, an Oscar, a Sasha Banks, a Charlotte, a Bailey. Like those women that are on each respective brands: Nia Jax, Alexa Bliss, Naomi, you name it. That they could put them in the match, and it wasn't like you know, it was like, yeah, you know what, they deserve it because they got the best storyline going. They're gonna have the best match. They got the most compelling characters. Have at it, yeah. And it's and it should be commonplace. But also speaking of a woman that did some great things this year in WWE, Ronda Rousey. We gotta appreciate what Ronda Rousey did this year, not from the standpoint of. I mean, like, of course, she got big matches and 
stuff like that. But she's a great wrestler. Like she's really good at yes. what she does in the ring. And of course, she you know at first she needed some work with the mic and stuff like that. She got more comfortable as time went on. But in the ring, wow, she's really good. And she didn't have uh, like years of training like Kurt Angle did, which I know people are like oh to, you know because I never seen somebody adapt to it so fast like Kurt Angle did. Kurt Angle was in WWE at least in the training camps or whatever, and like throughout '98. And it was doing uh, like live events throughout '99. wasn't on television until Survivor Series, right? '99. That's when he debuted. Yeah, yeah, I think but so. He yeah. was he was definitely in. He's definitely training at the Funkin' Dojo '98, and was on live events '99. So he had like almost two years before he debuted on TV. Ronda Rousey debuted on TV at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> like, yeah. had her first match. Was, was it was it WrestleMania? Was it was that yeah. her first match? Yeah, yeah. her first actual match. And I don't know if she I don't she didn't do untelevised matches before that, I don't think. No. Not that I remember. And yeah, she had some time to train, but she didn't have a whole year and two years or whatever. She wasn't training in NXT. She didn't have a Terry Funk training her like like they did when, when back in the nineties when and she wasn't surrounded by other guy or gals who were wrestling a ton like Kurt Angle did or Brock Lesnar when he was in the OVW. Yeah. She was pretty much off to, to herself. She wasn't at the performance center by herself. Training, doing her own thing. She comes out, has a, has a great first match, and then tears it up to pretty much the rest of the year. And it's like, yo, you know, she's really good. I don't know. I know people was hating on in the beginning. Oh, she's going to be a part timer. Oh, she's not going to be dedicated. Oh, she's just a big name. Oh, she can't wrestle. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, for one, you should have known that she's going to be really good. She's like a judo. She's a judo champion. <laughs> and of course, MMA champion, one of the biggest stars in MMA history. So, athletic, athletically, she should have adapted quickly to it. Not like this fast, but it shouldn't have been like a steep learning curve for her. But then she went out and actually did it, man. I mean, come on. We got to yeah. appreciate what Ronda Rousey did this year. First year in and is you can you can count on her to have a good match with virtually anybody on the roster. She had two really good matches. Nia Jax, which yeah. not everybody's going to do. And I, and I like Nia Jax. I know some people aren't fans of hers, but that's still... Not everybody's going to have a great match with Nia Jax. Ronda Rousey did. Yeah, and it was a smart thing to put them with, put her with you know Triple H and Kurt Angle in the first match, but I do think that was overblown, and a lot of credit, maybe too much credit, was given uh, for Triple H and, and Kurt Angle being there because Ronda still has to go out and perform. You know, like yeah, it, it's good to have like people helping you along the way, but you still got to go out and do the moves and everything. Do you know those arm? Uh, arm bars off the top rope, you know, flips and everything like that. That's not easy. And we we saw in both our matches with Nia Jax, her like kind of flipping her around and everything. That's not easy. So uh, she absolutely deserves all the credit in the world for, you know, this being her year, you know, to, you know, debut with the Rumble. We were there. That was like a really cool moment. And then to see where, what she's at now in December, like the Raw Women's Champion. Uh, but it's not, you know, undeserved. You know, it's it's almost like people assume that she didn't deserve her spot, but I think she's absolutely earned that spot. And we've seen it, and she's been wrestling on TV, and she's been having good matches on TV. So I absolutely think that, you know, she, she deserves all the credit in the world. I, I admit I was a little bit skeptical when she first debuted, just because I thought the debut didn't really... I, I thought just the debut felt... A little strange, like she pointed to the sign twice, which you know yeah, maybe nitpicking. That was rough. Like, oh, she, I, she was pointing at me, man. 
I was in the club box. Oh, oh, oh! Well, that explains a lot. Then I apologize. She's wanted. She wanted to let you know that she saw you. I get it. I understand. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but I was I was really impressed. I remember watching WrestleMania 34 with a couple of my buddies, and I was like, "Wow, she picked it up pretty well." And then I didn't know. And this is no shot at either one of these guys um, from the past. I didn't know if she was going to be like a Dan Severin in the sense to where has all these accolades, but it just doesn't transition into pro wrestling. Because I think you you know you're in there with you're in there with Triple H, you're in there with Steph, you're in there with Angle. You know you just have to put on a serviceable performance, and they'll get you where you need to get to. I thought that's kind of what we were going to get, but you know the the technique that she had, the moves that she put together the believability with the character, it all met expectations. And not only that, exceeded them. And I think she had so high expectations coming in that I was, I wanted to see it before I made judgment. I, I wasn't a big fan of the introduction, but the thing that really, there's two things that really stand out with Ronda to me. And, and, and the main thing was after that Survivor Series beatdown that she took by Charlotte, this is something that I didn't know she was going to be able to pick up so quickly. You know, you can you can train to learn, but you can train bumps. You can train, you know, all the other stuff. You can be in the ring with like a natty or someone who can kind of lead you through a, a really good match. And, and that's no knock on Ronda. But if you watch the beatdown, watch her reaction to the beatdown that Charlotte gives her after Survivor Series. She's selling it like she's been a pro wrestler for 10 years. Yeah. She's milking the fans. She's telling the story without saying a single word. That to me was the most impressive thing because, again, you can get down to the performance center and you can learn, you know, how to take a flat back by with Norman Smiley, or you can work with Dave Finley, and you can look like you're a passable wrestler. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not downplaying that because I think there's something there's something to what she's done picking up pro wrestling as fast as she has. I just am blown away by the not the storytelling of pro wrestling that I don't think you can really learn in the PC because that a lot of that comes with feel. Like you can perform with you know Dave Finley in the backstage area. But until you get in front of 20,000 fans and you learn how to tell a story without saying a single word, that was the most impressive thing I saw from Ronda because she told the story of like of selling that beat down. I think a lot of times, you know, people that are new to the business, and this is why I said I didn't know if I was getting Dan Severin or a really good pro wrestler. Like Dan Severin, one of the things that never really clicked with him is he got really he never really knew how to tell the pro wrestling story. I think that was something that Brock did a really good job at when he came in. I think that was something that Shelton and, and Charlie Haas did a really good job at as well. But Ronda was able to give depth to that character. She walked back from that beat down on Survivor Series to where she, she, you felt like she had the fans in the palm of her hand. And I think that's not something you, generally people pick up 10 months into learning how to be a pro wrestler. So I, I am the first one to sit here and say, like, I, I was wrong about that. And I'm glad that I was wrong. And I'm really impressed with how much of a fixture she is on Monday Night Raw. I think the comparisons were sort of inevitable with Brock, her and Brock, because you've got the UFC thing. You know, you don't know if they're being signed to be like a part-time thing. I didn't know if I was going to get Ronda once every four months the way I got Brock, which has sort of really soured me on the Brock character. But Ronda's there. Like, Ronda's putting in matches against Natty, against Nia Jax, against Alicia Fox that she doesn't have to do. But she's doing it because she loves being a pro wrestler. And that transition that that comes across the screen, you can believe that. You mentioned him a couple of times. I'm gonna move on from Ronda Rousey now to Brock Lesnar. Yeah, 2017, he held the title for th- almost the entire year. We all figured, I guess, as wrestling fans, he'd drop it at, tw- at WrestleMania in 2018, of course, because that's what usually happens. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
Wrong. He kept it up until SummerSlam. Lost it. Roman Reigns had it for what? Didn't he lose that SummerSlam? Yeah, so August, September, October. Yeah, about two months. About two Two months. months. And, of course, you know, we mentioned it earlier. He came down with leukemia, retracted leukemia, and uh, contracted leukemia, I should say. And then he goes off to get... You know, healed up and better in you know, a fight leukemia, and then the course of the title is vacated, and Brock Lesnar wins the title back again. So essentially, for the last almost two years, this man has held this title essentially hostage. Well, WWE's allowed him to because mm-hmm. it's hel- it's it's hurt their create it's hurt their creators, especially when it comes to Raw, because you got guys like Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, and Bobby Lashley, Braun Strowman. They're all fighting each other for what? That's a good way to put it. For nothing. Then you got Seth Rollins, who should easily be in t- contention for the universal title or fighting for it. He can't because Brock isn't there. Which, let me let me say this. When Brock won the title, and we talked about this in the show, when Brock won the title in 2014, I was, and we, we, I think me and Nick was in agreement, we were both fans of it because the champion wasn't there every week. That was okay with me. It made the championship seem more special, Right. And yeah. when he did come around, it was just air. There's like just you could feel the difference in the air when he came out. His air realism came. He brought. I thought he brought credibility to the title, and his matches would kick ass. And he lost every now and then too. He lost the title to Seth Rollins specifically, but when especially when it was just one world title too. And it just felt it was just different at that point. But when you do this for around, we're going on like three years of him being a champion on and off. It hasn't really helped anyone, and it's just he just he's just champion, and, and and now you get to now where, like I said, you got Seth Rollins should be in Universal Title Contention instead. He's fighting for the IC title. Dean Ambrose the same thing. You got Braun Strowman. He's just fighting people, and you got guys like Finn Balor, guys like Elias, who should be fighting for the IC title, but yet they can't. They're not going to right at this moment because that's Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose because. That's the IC title is a de facto heavyweight title for Raw until Brock Lesnar shows up again and then he fights Braun Strowman or whoever. So, yeah, it's just it's just crazy how people have soured on Brock Lesnar the last year, this year and 2017. So where do we see Brock Lesnar? What, what happens with Brock Lesnar moving forward? He's got to lose at WrestleMania and then go away for a little bit. And I don't know what the answer is to bring him back uh, and feud with anyone, or if they do decide to do that. I do think he could, like, his matches are still a spectacle. Like, they're not as good as they were when he was world heavyweight champion or uh, even when he came back in 2012. But, you know, like, he still has that, like you said, there's a legitimacy to just him, his presence. He doesn't necessarily need the title. So bring him back for like a big match at SummerSlam or WrestleMania. That's all really you need him for now. Like give somebody else a run with the Universal title. Why wouldn't you let Braun Strowman have that run till the Rumble, see what he does, see how the fans react to him? I I just thought that made no sense to give it back to Lesnar unless they're going to have him lose it again at Mania. Um, I was one of the guys that loved the fact that he came back and loved it. Uh, I was with you, man. Like, not seeing him every week made it seem more special when he than when he did show up. Uh, he showed up more often back in 2014 and 2015 as champion uh, than, than he does now, I should say. So 
it, it's it's an afterthought. Even when Paul Heyman shows up and he'll just say, you know, Brock's name, you know, like I don't react to it the way I did, you know, three four years ago. So I, I'm over it, man. I'm over his run. Uh, I just want I want to see the. I don't want to see the Universal Champion every single week, but you know, like just give it to someone else, man. Yeah, I'm, we're, just, we're just over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, it's it's one of those things where. It, like a Seth Rollins, it, like him and Ziggler for the Universal title would have been pretty cool to see. You know, like Intercontinental title just seems like nothing's changed. Like, and I, to me, I thought it made the IC title seem more important that when when Rollins got it and they were doing all that. But to me, it just kind of highlighted the fact that like, you know what, these guys should be in the main event, the the main title, not the mid card title. Guys like you said, Elias. Uh, maybe Lashley. I'd like to see Lashley in the main event, but I don't, with what they're doing with him right now, it's more of a mid card act. Um, you know, Finn Balor. Love to see him in the main event. I just I don't see them doing that long term. So why not have them fight for the IC title? It, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I, I think one thing about Brock that's frustrating is it his run right now reminds me a lot of Hollywood Hogan towards the end of the NWO when it really wasn't relevant anymore to where he'd show up once every now and again. It, would, it didn't really have that appeal. And I think one thing that a, good, that a good champion does is a good champion makes others around him better. Right. In the sense to where, you know, Hogan, Hogan, when he was WCW champion, nobody really ever got better by working with him. I think the only two feuds, or two or three feuds I can remember, is like Luger beat him, at, beat him for the belt on Nitro, then he lost it at Road Wild. And then, like, Goldberg beat him clean at the Georgia Dome, which was big for Goldberg. And then there was the feud with Sting that never, you know, it, it was good. But, it, it, you know, the match was what it was. The match didn't live up to the expectations. But I think Hogan helped legitimize that, that Sting Crow character because he had a feud. They were there, you know, every week or once or twice a month to develop that feud. And I think one thing that, that, that it's been so frustrating about this Lesnar reign is that, we've always been trained as wrestling fans that everyone is fighting for the title. And, you know, if you look at, if you look at past champions like Cena, Austin, uh, Michaels, um, even Hogan, like Shawn Michaels is, is WWE champ back in, in the, uh, the Ico pro eras, Nick and I so fondly remember like Shawn Michaels helped legitimize Vader. He helped legitimize mankind, but he, ne- he still beat him though. But, you remember that match he had with Mankind for the belt at Mind Games. You remember the match he had with Vader at SummerSlam it was for the title. Even if these guys don't win, the fact that they're in that spot to be looked at as legitimate contenders matters to the eyes of the fans. I love Finn Balor. I, you know, Finn Balor is one of the more complex, one of the more interesting characters that they have. But I don't care about Finn Balor. I don't care about Cesaro. I don't care about you know your Braun Strowman's because no matter what they're just going to get fed to Brock and Brock's going to demolish her. And I think that goes back to what I said earlier in the show to where Roman Reigns is sort of this great band-aid because you could always blame everything on like Roman Reigns. Like ratings are down. Oh, well, Roman Reigns sucks. He needs to turn heel. You know, buy rates are down. Roman Reigns sucks. He needs to turn heel. But now you have, now you expose the flaw where they have no one compelling and Brock hasn't made anybody compelling that he's worked with. Like I was really hyped for that match he had with Samoa Joe for great balls of fire. Like I thought that was this really cool buildup. Joe looked legitimate. Joe looked like he could hang with Brock. And that thing ended with one F five. Same thing with Braun. It ended with one F five. 
and that's the problem with having a part-timer be your champion is that the champion, to me at least, when done correctly, elevates the people he's in the ring with. Like, even if you go back to Hogan, like, Hogan made the big boss man seem legitimate. Now, was he or was he not? Who knows? But you felt like the big boss man was a legitimate contender to the title. Imagine if Finn Balor was just portrayed as a legitimate contender. And he could have a match with Brock on a Monday Night Raw. He could even lose He could even lose the match. But just by being in there with him, going toe-to-toe with Brock, Finn Balor the week after looks a lot more credible than he does right now. I think they missed really big with, you know, when Roman and Forcia went out with leukemia. I thought a good thing they could have did was they could have went to like a 16-person tournament. Have that, have that culminate at the Royal Rumble because that way you're having characters. You can even bring up guys like Dream or Adam Cole from NXT to be like in the NCAA tournament. You know, you always want that UMBC. You want that, that underdog. You could have solidified so many different characters in a 16-person tournament, yet they just gave it to Lesnar. Everyone, I think, pretty much knows like Lesnar is going to walk into Royal Rumble. They're going to have a 10-minute you know, two rhinos going at it match and Brock's going to hit one F5 out of nowhere and the match is over. It's just, it's boring. It's formulaic and it's tough to get, it's tough to care about Monday Night Raw. And I think that's a big reason why Monday Night Raw is suffering is that fans don't look at really anyone there as a, as a credible character or a credible wrestler. Cause all you, you get, in, you get invested in say a Dolph Ziggler, right? Ziggler's doing some of the best work of his career, but you just know the second that Brock comes out, all right, he's going to, throw Ziggler around and these whole three months that I've built into building trust in, in Dolph, Brock's going to demolish it with one F5. And I think that's a really difficult spot for WWE Raw to be in. And to be honest, like I don't care if Brock ever comes back. Um, I don't find what he does to be legitimate. I remember Brock when he would have good wrestling matches. Like He had a great match at Wrestle, uh, Royal Rumble 2014, which I think was in Philly. Uh, the three-way he had was set with Seth and Cena, if I'm not mistaken, like that was a great match. It was a great wrestling match. And he doesn't have those anymore. And that's what's frustrating for me as a fan. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's just weird that they've let this happen for the last two years. For a year or so, I'm cool with it. But right. it's, been, mm-hmm. it's been since 2015, essentially. 2014, when you really think about it. Off and on, he's been the champion and it's been happening for this long. Uh, let's move on to stuff outside of WWE. We haven't really touched on it that much. Uh, but we had a pretty big independent show this year. We did. Well, semi-independent, yes. I guess. But uh, we had All In, which was yes. all the rage in early September, September 1st, actually. The show sold out in like 30 seconds or whatever it was. You know, when the t- tickets went on sale this past summer. And it generated a lot of buzz, and it sold out quickly. And it, for the most part, from what I saw, it delivered. And it was definitely the biggest show that was not a WWE show. And it's the biggest show that hasn't been a WWE show in ages, when you think about it. 10,000 seats in an arena in, in the United States. No one does that except WWE here in the United States. So, yeah, what, what were your thoughts about that? And just, you know, going back through, you know, the matches and the build-up to All In this year. You know, it's funny. I still haven't watched the whole thing from beginning to end, but I've seen, you know, matches and everything like that. I kind of do the same thing with Wrestle Kingdom. You know, certain matches I watch, I... I it's hard to watch the whole thing, and I've, I've yet to be able to do that. But uh, just the whole lead-up to it, the, the press conferences, the, the what they made it, the, how big they made it on their own uh, to make it feel like it was the biggest show, non-WWE show, that if you missed it, that you were missing something. And you did. You, mi- you missed, I still missed 
a few of the matches that I still have to watch. And, you know, I, I have to do that. And it's, it's one of those, where, where were you when uh, All In was going on? You know, September 1st, it was a great date for them to pick. I think Labor Day weekend was a, a great uh, date just based on it's a holiday weekend and uh, more people, you know, kind of have time or spend their money whatever way they want. And I always love holiday weekend wrestling shows anyway. I've always loved it since I was a kid. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't go out to Chicago to watch this live, which I would have loved to do. But um, I think I mentioned even before, I wanted I wanted to see it like on TV on pay per view, and there was a there was a while there where we weren't sure if that was going to be an option, and uh, the fact that it was an option made it that much more better that much better uh, as as a whole event. So uh, you know the matches were were great. Uh, the ones that I've seen, you know, Cody Rhodes, man, uh, he's doing big things outside of WWE and, uh, it, it's awesome to see. And he might be even on, he might go on to bigger things, you know, with the young bucks in, in 2019. So that that's yet to be seen. Their contracts with ring of honor just ran out. So like, I, I'm excited with this group could do. They, they've showed you what they could do. They put their heads together. Obviously, you know, they had some help from Ring of Honor, but how much help? I don't know. Uh, what can they do on their own? You know, like I, I'm really excited to see that, and I think All In was just the precursor. Uh, Ryan, talk about what you think about the Elite not being part of the Bullet Club anymore, and the Elite splitting off on their own and starting, and essentially starting what it looks like to be their own promotion that's going to kick off in 2019. To me, the Bullet Club was always um, Omega in the rest of the guys. It was Finn in the rest of the guys, and it was um, Seth in the rest of the guys. And I'm not Seth, I'm sorry, Ken, uh, Kenny, AJ, and Finn. Those were the guys that were always the Bullet Club to me. Like, this inclination of the Bullet Club to me feels like NWO 2000, where it was like Bret Hart, <laughs> Jarrett, Nash, and like someone else. Silver, I'm forgetting the fourth guy. Silver 3D logo. Are you talking about the Gorillas of Destiny? Are you talking about the Elite? Uh, the, no, it, this this inclination of like what they were doing with the Bullet Club previously. Okay. So I don't look at like I don't look at those guys, you know, 2018 as the Bullet Club because to, to me I have a different that name connotes a different image in my head. But as far as what the elite are doing, uh, I'm happy for those guys making a lane for themselves where a lot of people wouldn't be able to. Um, and I think Nick and I talked about this on the show. I don't really find Cody interesting in the ring. I don't really find the Young Bucks terribly interesting inside. Like their matches are good. Um, it's just you know it, they're they're good. They're not bad. They're not amazing. Um, but as far as them splitting off and doing their own thing with what you know with what they've got going on, I'm happy for them. The same way I was happy for what they did at like All In and. I think it's incredibly impressive. I wish them nothing but the best. Um, you know, to me, I'd be lying if I would come up here and say, like, I'm going to follow every move they do. And, and you know, like, I can't wait. Because apparently from what I've been reading, they're, they're teaming up with the Jacksonville Jaguars owner's son to start a promotion. And, and that's cool. And best of luck to them. I hope I hope I wish those guys nothing but the best because they're, you know, they've they've done no wrong by me. I've got no reason to speak ill of them. But the three of them splitting off to do their thing, like they've done a really good job capturing, I think, what is important to pro wrestling fans now with, with the being the elite show 
and what they, you know, the stuff they do on social media and YouTube and with pro wrestling tees, they make the fans feel like they're a part of it. And the, the comparison I draw to that is, in a sense, and, and Nick and I talked about this on a prior show, where I'm not saying it's ECW at all. Like that, and that's not a jab to say something and say something else. I just feel like it's, it's the same on the sense to where the fans feel like it's theirs. The fans feel like they have a hand in, in the success of the company. Um, and it's a viable North American alternative. So I think what, what they're doing is it's, it's healthy. It's fun. Um, I don't, I, I'd be lying if I was going to jump up and down to see what they're going to do, but I wish them well, you know, those guys splitting off and doing their own thing is fun for North American pro wrestling in 2018. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a very interesting year uh, in 2019 to see what these guys are going to be up to, but it's already been very interesting in 2018 to see, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all in get announced. I, I guess that was that last year when they, when they announced they're going to do it, I guess. And then to see, yeah, pretty that's much it. showed every step of the process leading up right. to September 1st, uh, with the being the elite show and the, you know, different interviews. They're very open about what they're going to do. And of course now leaving ring of honor behind, and essentially, at the same time, they got the Wrestle Kingdom show to still do. Uh, but I guess New Japan will be left behind, too, in that. And uh, they're going to be doing their own thing here. So a uh, big thing is on tap for them in 2019. With the time remaining we have left here, also want to mention that Impact has another network, by the way. Oh, man. You network. stole my thunder. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that, that was going to be something I'm really not looking forward to, honestly. I I was actually channel. looking forward to finding I, Pursuit on my TV. Yeah, I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't, so, I'm sure I don't either. Uh, you know, obviously they could put up episodes on YouTube. I don't know if they will. Um, but well, man, like I was, uh, I was disappointed. We talked, talked about a couple weeks ago. You know, my gift to Impact Wrestling was a better television deal because <laughs> uh, this is before the Pursuit stuff had been announced. Yeah, obviously, yeah, that, yeah. because they, they don't they, they got a decent product now. It's a steady they've steadied the ship. Uh, from the dark days of years going by, but they just don't have any exposure, any buzz because the television. Who who knows where? What was it? Pop TV. Who knows where that is on right. the dial? And with people, I had no idea. With people cutting cords or getting the most basic tiers of cable because they don't want to spend two hundred dollars on cable nowadays. So they get the basic, uh, basic you know packages. They don't have pop TV or you don't have cable at all. So I'm like, oh man, let's get them a better. Network, better distribution deal, whether it's television or internet, whatever the case may be, just let's help them out with a gift. That would be my gift for them. Well, they got a gift, but not quite the one that I got them. It was a different channel, different network, but the Pursuit channel. It was wrapped in Dookie. Damn. That's a good way to put it. Uh, it was re-gifted. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I have never heard of that. I never heard of Pop TV or Destination America before right. that. Uh, but yeah, they're on that channel. So if you got it, good for you. <laughs> if you could, if you can find them, watch them. You've you've hit the jackpot, right? But, uh, they have it, but you have probably play a lot of money for your cable bill because I don't know a pack. I don't know what yeah. tier that's on. That's on an exclusive tier. And apparently, you know, I didn't delve too too deep into this, uh, but it's a- Anthem kind of owns that channel, or yeah. they have some affiliation with the channel. So yeah. and, and that's a, a different story. With keeping the same time slot and then moving it to Fridays, are you trying to kill what you own? Like, come on, man! Did they not realize that another live show is going to be on Fridays in October of next year and SmackDown. Hey, you know what? Maybe by October 
October they'll be on a better network. Impact or probably maybe. back on Thursdays because like, oh no, wait a yeah. minute, <laughs> Fox has got SmackDown live on Fridays. Oh no, 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 change it, change uh, it, change it. That so. reminds me of when TNA wanted to go on Monday nights for like three months yeah. when they brought in like Hogan and Bischoff and it just failed miserably. Yeah, Hogan yeah. So that was that was, whoa, that was a great that, war. Somebody doesn't like Hogan and Bischoff back there. I heard that. <laughs> that that's that's a perspective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, with, with the time remaining, though, let's talk about some of the matches that we uh, liked in 2018. I'll start it off with one I saw in person uh, that was at NXT TakeOver Philadelphia mm. all the way back in January, the beginning of the year, but it was quite possibly the best match I had seen all year. Probably one of the, probably the best match in NXT history, probably the be- one of the best matches in WWE history. That was Johnny Gargano versus Cien Almas at NXT TakeOver Philly for the NXT Championship. Man, I almost, I, I, I want to go back to watch it, but I almost don't want to because I don't want it to take away from, like, just how unbelievable that much mat, that, that match was for me in person. Like, I don't want to have to go back, I don't want to go back and reanalyze and, like, oh, and ruin it for me. What I felt when I was in that building that day, I, for a live match, I've never, like, been in the building for a match like that before. That was incredible. And, of course, the story leading up to it was incredible. The story coming out of it has been incredible because it's lasted the entire year with Gargano and Ciampa. And now Alistair Black is involved. One of the best stories in NXT history with all of them involved. And it's it really got really kicked off. I mean, I know the, the feud with Gargano and Ciampa kind of started last in 2017. But this year really got off to a hot start with NXT with that match. And it's one of the best matches. I'd, probably the best match I've ever seen in person. Yeah, I was pretty jealous of you. I didn't get to go to NXT uh, in, in person, so I remember I think I, I had a prior engagement, and then it ended. Uh, and I remember going to Tony Luke's, grabbing a cheesesteak and fries, going in my car, putting the WWE Network on my phone, waiting for you to get out because we wound up going to Bruce Pritchard and Conrad's show at the old ECW arena after NXT TakeOver. I'm sitting there in my car waiting for the – just watching TakeOver on my phone. Uh, so it was quite uh, an experience for me, not as good as the one you experienced because you were actually in the arena. So I'm pretty jealous of that. Yeah, it was, but it was still incredible. It was, it was amazing. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, it's funny because it might have not been one of the greatest matches of the year – but it's at the same time frame, just the next night, Sunday night, the Royal Rumble. I was there. I got to witness the first ever women's Royal Rumble, uh, just the historic perspective of that. And I was there for that. And then Ronda Rousey showing up at the end. Uh, one of the most memorable moments I've ever had attending an event. So I thought that was awesome. So I didn't attend a lot of wrestling events this year. Um, I just didn't never really just felt like paying for tickets this year to go to the ones in Sacramento. Um, but I would say my favorite match that I've seen uh, for the year probably would be the North American uh, ladder match they had at NXT TakeOver um, mm. with Ricochet and, and EC3 and Adam Cole. Just in the sense to the amount of athleticism sometimes, I think it gets lost. And I think we do this with a lot of sports to where we really get lost in this kind of things that these guys and girls can do in the ring and off of a ladder. Like, the stuff that Ricochet was doing, the stuff that EC3 was doing, the stuff that, you know, Adam, like the risk these guys put their bodies through just blows my mind. And the storytelling in the match, I think, was incredible. Um, so that was probably my, fav- my favorite match of the year um, that I could probably go back uh, when I start working here in a little bit and rewatch that and not have any qualms with getting through it. 
Uh, match out. That was a great match, by the way. That was probably the match of that best match of that show. I mean, I know Gargano and Champa main evented the show. I think that that was the first match in like that long feud they had, but yeah. uh, that pretty much stole the show, in my opinion. I'm gonna go back another show in January mm. that had some great matches. How about Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom 12? That was a lot of fun. That was 34 Ooh. minutes too. A lot of fun. And Okada and Naito from Wrestle Kingdom as well. Yes. That's a great match. But Omega and Jericho, I think, stole the show on that night. Yeah, that was absolutely uh, one of those. Uh, wasn't like really into it. And then the beginning of the match, you know, it was kind of like it was to me. I, I've seen like a a few Kenny Omega matches kind of started out the same way. But man, it just came together, you know, like after a while. And I was glued. To, to my computer screen because I watched it on the computer, not not my TV, but I was glued to it after the fact. Uh, out of those two, I probably I prefer Okada and Naito just a little bit more. I mean, that's just personal preference. But I thought, you know, for for Jericho to do what he's doing now is is impressive to me. Um, this guy's doing stuff. He's he's constantly being creative and he's showing that he has. He has pull. He has reach. He has validity with the fans. He has equity built in with everyone to where you're going to want to check out what he's doing, no matter where it is, if it's involved in wrestling. And I think, you know, I, I like I like the match that he had with with Omega. Um, you know, coming off of what Omega did the year prior at Wrestle Kingdom, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more. Um, as far as like just it's the whole like I thought the, I thought Omega could have done something a little bit better before the match. Um, but when the match happened, I was like, okay, I, I had that one a little bit wrong. And they put on a really good match. And for Jericho to be where he is and with the amount of miles on those tires, to still put on a match like that, you know, was impressive. And it just shows that he he's constantly out there reinventing himself. He's constantly out there doing new things. And he's making pro wrestling better. And I think a lot of guys, when they get to that part in their career, not all of them make pro wrestling better. So I thought Jericho – uh, was what what he's done with New Japan has been impressive, and I'm actually interested to see what he's going to do with Naito at this wrestling kingdom too. Uh, so let's round it up, let's round it down here, I guess, on episode 177 of the podcast. With uh, I guess I guess we can call it a somber note of sorts. Uh, we'll talk about the, the the wrestlers that we lost in 2018. Uh, we lost quite a few, quite a few big names. Uh, 2018. I don't know if any were bigger than Bruno San Martino died at the age of 82 earlier this year. Uh, of course, legendary wrestling WWE. Only I think the second WWE champion was by far the longest reigning WWE champion. Held it for like eight years, uh, and within the last five years, or so got back into good graces WWE and was put into the Hall of Fame and properly recognized as the legend that he was. Uh, so, you know. Rest in peace to Mr. San Martino. Another one that we lost recently was Jim the Anvil Neidhart, who, for us, you know, we're around the same age. We watched as kids. Uh, I didn't get to watch San Martino in his prime, but I I did see at least the tail end of Neidhart's prime in 97, 98 or whatever. And, yeah, that was rough. And, of course, he's been on TV last couple years with Total Divas because Natalia's, you know, his his daughter Natalia's wrestling. So, uh, but, yeah, that's, you know, another big loss for wrestling. That was a tragic one, a real tragic one, was, was Brian Christopher. You know, you know, the son of Jerry Lawler, died at 46 earlier this year, committed suicide while he was in jail, uh, took his own life, and that was really tragic. Also, one that happened more recently than, than Jim Neidhart, Dynamite Kid. 
Tom Burlington right. died just what, yeah. you know, a, week, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, he was 60. Uh, Johnny Valiant died. Matt Capitelli died at only at 38. He was, you know, had brain cancer and, and right. fortunately uh, succumbed to it earlier this year. How about Vader? And died at 63. Yeah. Heart failure. And should have been in the Hall of Fame before he died. Unfortunately, that was, that, that was not the case. Uh, he died earlier this year. Uh, Nikolai Volkov, WWE Hall of Fame. We did get to go to the Hall of Fame before he he, he passed, but uh, I met I actually had the chance to meet Nikolai Volkov for WrestleMania 31. I, I'm pretty sure I said this on the show before. Very nice to me as I, when I talked to him for that brief period of time. Uh, seemed like an all-around nice guy, but he died this year at the age of 70. And Paul Jones from the NWA, mm-hmm. manager yeah, Paul Jones, and he's a wrestler uh, as well before that. Uh, but yeah, he passed away this year. At the age of seventy-five, and I swore, my dog is barking. She didn't like the word number seventy-five, ah. apparently. Mm. But Master Saito died at the age of seventy-six this year. Jeez, you know. So Master Saito, Brickhouse Brown died at fifty-seven, uh, and we can't forget, of course, yeah. mm. Jose Lothario, who was a, a legend in in Texas, and, and yeah, big 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 deal back in the day, uh, in NWA. And Dirty Dick Slater died this year, as well at the age of sixty-seven. So some, like I said, some pretty big names, man, that died this year. Bruno Neidhart. That's a lot of young ones. Yeah, and and, and, and you got tragic ones like Capitelli. You know, yeah. died well before his time. You know, sh- should have died. Uh, and you got, like I said, other big names. Make a lot of Volkov, Vader. I mean. Legendary names, Hall of Famers, guys that, sh- that should have been in the Hall of Fame already. That you know, I'm sure will be at some point. But uh, that was the year in wrestling in 2018. A lot of good things, and unfortunately, some tra- tragedies here uh, with the loss of some legendary names in the, in the world of professional wrestling. But uh, can't end on a somber note. Rest in peace, to all of those guys, by the way, and thank you for all you did for pro wrestling, making it great. Uh, you Absolutely. know, helping us fall in love with the business that and we do this. We talk about it on every week for at least an hour, and we watch it all the time. And you know, so thank you to all those guys, and rest in peace to all of them. But let's wrap it up here with, uh, I guess, uh, one lasting takeaway from the year. Tw- well, I, let's spin it forward. Actually, one thing you're looking forward to the most in 2019. One thing I'm looking forward to the most in 2019. I want to see this. Uh, Gargano Champa storyline play out, and I know it's probably not going to last all year of 2019, but man, I know for sure it ain't over yet. And uh, I'm kind of I wonder if by the end of 2019 we'll see both of these guys on the main roster. But um, I definitely don't think it, it's anywhere close to being over. So that that it's probably my favorite storyline, uh, wrestling wise, out of all the promotions going into 2019. Ryan, I I would say for me, I want to. I'm interested to see who breaks through the pack on Monday Night Raw. Um, there's a lot of guys right now that are there, and I think are being misused. Uh, Chad Gable is one of the ones that sticks out to me the most. So I'm interested to see where Chad Gable will be uh, this time next year. I think he's got all the talent in the world. So um, I'm interested to see w- what the men's division of Raw looks like this time, 2019. And for me, I'm looking forward to seeing what is going to come of All Elite Wrestling. I think 
Mm. You know, obviously we know WWE ain't going anywhere. We're on SmackDown for the most part. You know, that's not going to change. I mean, SmackDown's going to go on Fox next year, which was a. I am interested in seeing how that cha- if that changes the complexion of SmackDown at all. Mm. But all the wrestling is it going to be a viable player in the wrestling world? Is it you know it's got some names attached to it as far as we know, rumored you know Cody Rhodes and Young Bucks, you know the Elite and stuff like that. But are they going to be able to you know function as a promotion? So and can they get other guys on board with it? in 2019 so if that comes to fruition i'm looking forward to seeing that so let's wrap it up here on our year in special year in review for 2018 with some plugs so nick plug away you can follow me at nick bacone on twitter follow us at shooters radio on twitter we're on facebook facebook.com slash the straight shooters and i still have my tlc recap up at phillyboys.com go read it if you just want to read uh, my stuff, because that would be great for me. Uh, I know it's a little old now, but hey, it's still up there. And that's uh, all I got. So right. I've, got a little pod- I've got a little podcast. It's called the Gully Blanchard Podcast. Uh, you can check it out once a week. It is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts where you'll find it. You can follow me on Twitter, Gully Blanchard, G-U-L-L-Y-B-L-A-N-C-H-A-R-D. Um, up to 91 episodes. They're all available wherever you get podcasts. So definitely check them out. All right. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. We appreciate you coming out, taking time. I'm sure out of what is, I'm sure, a busy schedule. And Absolutely. But I always shooters. appreciate it. It's been something I want to do for a long time, and I'm really glad you was able to come on, and it was a good time. And, uh, yeah, let's do it again sometime soon. Will do. And, of course, you got me. I'm at one m Johnson on Twitter. Uh, check me out, and as always, even though I'm on the internet, I'm also out here in these streets. Come get at me. That's what I say it every week because it's true. But for Nick Cone and Ryan Anderson, I'm Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening and watching episode 177 of The Straight Shooters, and we will catch y'all again next week. Peace. You've been listening to The Straight Shooters on Wildfire Radio. For advertising opportunities, contact Nick Picone via email at piconenick at gmail.com or call 856-625-1190.